Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? It says, how long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Uh, That's the prayer, that's the anguish, that's the despair of somebody whose life is spiraling downwards. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can pick that up. That's not the prayer of somebody that's having like the most wonderful day, Uh, maybe excited to get off to work, Um, maybe excited to meet up with some friends at a cafe, just talk all things vaccine-related kind of thing. That's not the prayer of uh, that kind of mentality. Uh, Something's happening and it's going downhill. That's something that happens to all of us from time to time. We all experience seasons in life that feel like they're spiraling downwards. Uh, I'm not sure how you've found uh, this round of COVID lockdowns. Uh, I found the 2020 edition uh, to be... I found, I found the 2021 edition to be vastly different to the 2020 vintage. Uh, I preferred the 2020 vintage, and I, this year's offering for me personally hasn't been as... Um, Hasn't been as enjoyable. Uh, last year, you'd probably know I was, uh, Lisa and I were due a sabbatical and we were going to travel to the States and to England and Europe and things like that. Uh, that got cancelled pretty quickly, but that was neither here nor there. That wasn't really a worry. Uh, more what was the reality of the situation, I was just tired. We'd been doing St. Luke's for nearly 10 years. I'd finished my doctorate only like 12 months earlier or something like that. I'd still be out. We'd still be out as a family at Bayfair or at the beach or at the hot pools or whatever. And then after a little bit, I'd go, oh, okay, we need, a, we need a head home now. And Lisa would be like, oh, why do we need a head home? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, we don't need to head home. But there's just, there'd been so many years of whenever you weren't reading or writing, uh, you felt guilty that you weren't reading or writing or knew that you really didn't need to be reading or writing. So to, to, to be out, it's like, no, no, I, I need a open a book or write another page or do something kind of thing so I was just tired and I was um, I was winding down I was emotionally kind of like seven Sundays to go six Sundays to go and then while I was winding down COVID was winding up Uh, okay we won't go to Italy that was the first bit we'll cross Italy off we'll just go to the States then the UK and then we'll come back and then it was like oh we won't go to Italy or France it'll just be and then it was like we'll go to America and then Singapore and then home and then it was We'll go to Singapore and then home. And then it was, we'll see if we can take the kids to uh, Gold Coast. And then it was like, can we change the flights and go to Queenstown? And then we said to the kids, kids, we're going to have a couple of weeks at home, um, but we'll hang out at the beach, we'll go to the Luge in Rotorua, we'll go to the Hotwood. And it's like, no, no, you won't do that. Uh, We'll take you to McDonald's. And then it's like... Nope, you won't take them to McDonald's. You'll stay in your backyard. You will not go anywhere. So in terms of like where we were heading and uh, where we ended up, um, they, weren't, they were not similar spaces. So your own backyard and the Eiffel Tower, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but they're not real similar. Uh, but it was all right. It really didn't bother me. Um, we entered into this enforced sabbatical rest. After like the first kind of three or four weeks of kind of intense working out, Working out, I bought a new phone. Working out how to get a phone. We do things high tech around here, not low tech. High phone. Uh, you know, working out how to do the online stuff and get a few things up and running. It's like, okay, we're fine now. It's, um, it's kind of an enforced sabbatical for everybody. It's a lower pace. Now, I know that it was tragic for some businesses and, and different economics to do with whatever your industry might have been. For me, it was like, okay, an enforced rest. And then I had 12 weeks off. 
And it was like, man, I needed that anyway. So it was like, it was just, it was all good. This year though, this time around, uh, lockdown kicked in. And um, I wasn't tired, because we had last year. Uh, I wasn't needing a rest. I wasn't needing a break. I was up to my eyeballs and some books to do a series on Genesis and a series on what we talk about when we talk about God. And I was pumped and I was looking forward to coming together and there were good things happening. And we'd all come back together as a church after lockdowns and like we were back where we'd like left off before kind of thing. It was like, we're in a good space. And then, they, you know, and then there's this lockdown and you couldn't go anywhere. Well, I didn't react to that as well as what I did last year. It, it, it felt very different. Um, I felt like I was in the zone and then lockdown hit and I, and I felt stymied. I like that word, stymied. Uh, I felt weighed down. I was in a disorientated funk, you know, disorientated kind of a depression a little bit maybe. Um, and then on top of that, so much noise, so much noise. And just the noise is kind of overwhelming after a while. Um, online, everything. Um, last year, 2020, it was kind of novel. 2021, it's like, oh man, I hate Zooms, you know. Uh, one of my Zooms was three and a half hours without a break. It's just like, that's a lot of Zoomage. Um, and then, you know, just everything. And it felt, I felt like my world had shrunk or has shrunk down to the size of an iPhone screen. And, um, you know, that's, it's kind of small. But for many of us, our worlds have shrunk down to this kind of, kind of little screen. Um, I have to be honest, the joy and delight of preaching to the Macaulay household on a Sunday, um, it, the novelty's worn off for me. Uh, I think pretty sure the novelty's worn off for the Macaulay household as well. You know, two of them just put headphones in and go to the room and play Fortnite or whatever kind of thing. Um, so, you know, the novelty wore off pretty quick. Um, feels like a loss of momentum. Um, feel, has felt this year like a, really a loss of what's going on? Who is, who is anyone? Where, where is anyone? And then when we do come back, you've got to have tickets. And, you know, these pastors on the best of days worry on a Sunday morning who's going to come to church or not. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it for. You still worry about that. Now with tickets, you get to see on a Wednesday that no one's coming. Uh, then you get to see on a Thursday that eight people are coming. And then you get to see on a Friday that 12 people are coming. And then you get to see late on a Saturday night that up to 18 people are coming. And so like that's like not healthy. Uh, but, you know, it is, it is kind of, is kind of, I'm just opening up, just sharing just what's going on there. Um, I found myself um, sitting with my professional supervisor a couple of weeks ago, and I've got the, um, if you remember Zoolander, like sitting with the supervisor, who am I? What do I do? Um, does it make any difference? Should I retire? You know, it's like, not that I know what I'd retire to. Um, should I retire? I don't know who I am. I don't know who I'm not. I don't know who I'm supposed to be. I feel like I want to go back to the person that I used to be, but I like the person I am now, and I'm feeling like I'm heading towards becoming the kind of person that I'm meant to be. What do I do? And uh, my professional supervisor, he looked at me and he said, embrace the void and have the courage to exist. No, he didn't, he didn't say that. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, the, my professional supervisor, he said, um, he says, oh, you're right. Most of my meetings with people I'm supervising are exactly the same thing. I, I mostly I meet with kind of intelligent people and then everything slows down and then aren't able to do what they normally do, how they normally do it, and they all find themselves going, what do I do and how do I do it and is it worthwhile? He goes, oh, that's all right. That's the normal conversations I'm having with everyone all the time. Uh, which is exactly what you want to hear. Uh, when you're in a disorientated funk or facing a health challenge or feel like you've fallen off the wagon or in a place of confusion, that's what you want to hear. Uh, you never want to go to the doctor 
or a professional supervisor or a pastor, you never want to go and confide in them and then have them say, ooh, I have never come across that before. That is, to be perfectly honest, I do not know what we're going to do here. That, like, that's the last thing you want to hear from your doctor or your supervisor. What you, what you want to hear is like, ah, I've, I dealt with nine of them in the last two weeks. There's five or six different options for how we can get through that. And instantly you're like, ah, oh. you know, your arm could be hanging by one vein. We've never seen that before. We don't know what to do. That's very disheartening. Oh, we've had heaps of them come in. Like, we know. It's like, oh, fantastic. Do whatever you need to do. And uh, my supervisor was very good. He says, oh, everyone's in that, that place at the moment. Well, many people are in that place. A place of disorientation. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? All these kinds of things. Uh, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? I don't know if you, after a little while, your own thoughts is like, I got too many of them happening. Can we just, um, we're watching Formula One on Netflix. It's a good series. Like, we just, we just watch more Formula One on Netflix kind of thing. So perhaps this morning you feel disorientated, stymied, caught in a funk. Perhaps you feel like your world isn't overflowing with faith, hope, and love. There's a lot more fear, despair, doubt, conflict, anxiety. Well, the good news is that this is not unheard of. Uh, You are not in a hopeless situation. This is a normal part of the human experience. It's a normal part of the faith journey. We don't go through it in every single sphere of our life all at the same time. Thank goodness. It's, it's good that it's not my job and my marriage and my family's and who am I and do I have... We don't normally go through all of those things at once. But some area of our life feels like, man, that's really on point. That's outstanding. And then there's these other areas like, that's falling apart. I don't know what to do kind of thing. Well, it, it just happens. It's this world that we live in. So the good news is it's not unheard of. It's a part of the Christian experience. Everybody goes through that. Walter Brueggemann's a, a brilliant Old Testament scholar, and he notes in the book of Psalms that we've got all sorts of different types of Psalms, but we've got ones as well that Psalms of orientation, Psalms of disorientation, and Psalms of reorientation. I'll, I'll give you an example up on the screen. Psalm 8. This is what you might call a Psalm of orientation. You might pick up that the, the person you know, singing this, praying this, expressing this to God is, they're probably in a healthy enough headspace lord our lord how majestic is your name in all the earth you've set the glory in the heavens through the praise of your children and infants you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger when i consider your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars that you've set in place what is mankind that you're mindful of them Human beings that you care for them, yet you've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You've made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all uh, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to this. You know, this person is obviously, they're in a good headspace. They're, They're loving life. They're loving the journey. It's all good. I've eyes to write my own psalm. And this is probably one of the best things to do with psalms. Is um, I get a lot of people say, oh, I don't really get psalms because you know there's a whole lot of like, destroy my foe and crush my enemy and rip their heads off and I'm tired of this. When are you going to show up? Kind of thing. It's like, oh, they're really just psalms of happiness, psalms of anger and frustration, and then psalms of rejoicing that it's all turned around. So take the idea of the psalm and then just kind of rewrite some of those ideas in your own language and you'll get what's happening. 
I, I wrote my own little psalm of orientation. Oh God, how awesome it is to be a pastor, to be engaged in creative life-giving work that serves others. Truly you are a remarkable and faithful God. What a delight it is to live immersed in your love, your spirit ever leading me to be more like Christ, holy, whole and wholesome. I'll tell of, the goodness, of your goodness all the days of my life, working to find creative language, evocative imagery that brings to life in this day and age the wonder of your salvation. You have turned chaos into order, darkness into light, and death into life. You are the light that we've got, the lamppost. You are the lamppost, the doorway to all as it is meant to be. The kingdom of God is on earth as in heaven. Life that is good and true and beautiful and full of wonder and depth under your sun. Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I've felt like that before, just not in the last four weeks. But, you know, once we got through last year and we're back up and running, it's like, how good it is to be this. It's amazing how a few weeks later it can be like, how terrible it is to be. And yet that's the way that life goes sometimes. That's orientation. Here's, this is a great psalm, Psalm 74, a psalm of disorientation. Oh God, why have you rejected us forever? <laughs> You've rejected us forever. It's like, how do you know that God's rejected you forever? You don't know that. You're just in the, You've rejected us forever. Why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your past? Remember the nation you purchased long ago, the people of your inheritance. Turn your steps towards these everlasting ruins. All this destruction the enemy has brought on the sanctuary. Your foes roared in the place where you, where, you, where you met with us. They set up the standards, their standards as signs. They behaved like men wielding axes to cut through a thicket of trees. They, you know, they came into the, the, the temple and smashed things up. They smashed all the carved paneling with their axes and hatchets. They burned your sanctuary to the ground. They said in their hearts, we will rush them completely. They burned every place where God was worshipped in the land. Or another way of understanding that is, there's nowhere I can go now. To connect with you, to know you. They've burned every place of worship in the land. This, this person's lost. There's nowhere I can go to even connect with you now, God. Uh, we have given no signs from God. No prophets are left. No prophets are left. None of us knows how long this will be. How long will the enemy mock you, God? Will the, the foe revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the folds of your garment and destroy them. This is the... Psalm of disorientation. Oh, mate's not having a happy day. Things are spiraling downhill. This is everlasting destruction. You've abandoned us forever. This is terrible. What are you going to do? Uh, I wrote my own little personal psalm of disorientation. Oh, God, why would anyone want to be a pastor? Just when you get things going, lockdowns pull it all apart again. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But God, I'm not even sure if we have a church anymore. Does social media even count? Uh, how long, oh God, will I live stymied in this liminal swamp of digital destruction and distraction? Uh, creative language, evocative imagery, the grand narrative of scripture. Why? How? In what way? Who for? There's so much noise, so many arguments going on, a billion voices streaming across the sandcastle platforms of social media. What's the point? You said that you'd be faithful and just to complete the good work that you've begun, but it feels like the light is flickering and fading. Uh, the lamp is running on electricity, but it's supposed to be empowered by your spirit. Why do you hold back your hand? Take it from the folds of your garment and at least throw a lightning bolt or something. I can't see the new thing, so let's at least go old school. There you go. There's a pastor's psalm of disorientation. 
And uh, maybe in your world or in your work or in your sphere or in your family dynamics or friendship circles at the moment, there's a sense of that perhaps going on. Uh, Now, obviously, it's not a very good psalm. Uh, It's not a very good prayer. It's not a theologically astute one. Come on, God, pull your hand out and at least throw some lightning bolts or something. It's like, I'm pretty sure God doesn't work like that. It's not but it's not meant to be good theology. Uh, And if you go through many of the Psalms, the Psalms aren't good theology in the sense that they speak truth. They're good theology in in the sense that they are somebody downloading their frustration on God, waving their fist at the heavens, so to speak, kind of thing. Uh, so you've got to appreciate it for, for what it is kind of thing. You know, the, the ones where they, you know, get the, we want to get the enemy's children and smash them against the rocks kind of thing. Those are not good ideas. Those are not good things to do. And it's not in the Bible because God would endorse that. It's this person in the midst of their frustration downloading all of that to God. And it's better to shake your fists at the heavens and download that sort of stuff than try to suppress it and keep it on the inside. That's why the Psalms are, health, are healthy, helpful and healthy in, in your own emotional well-being. They, they get to express what you're expressing. Reflects the reality that's normal to find oneself in moments of disorientation. Uh, here your relationship with God is often characterized by vulnerability, frustration, doubt, fear. Feeling lost and wanting answers. Uh, wanting, what do you want in these kind of times? You'd like miracles, you'd like signs, you'd like wonders, you'd like something like that kind of thing. And you'd like them sooner rather than later. Thank you very much would be, would be the ideal. This doesn't work like that though. But the psalm of disorientation allows for a moment of fist shaking. Uh, fist shaking at God uh, or at some family member uh, or at politics. Uh, or at politicians, or at COVID-19, or at the track record of the warriors, uh, or you can shake your fist at the church, or at some pastor. Um, You can shake your fist at me if you want, or some other pastors that are in the news at the moment if you want, just whatever you want to do. It's an invitation to vent before God. You get it all out of your system. But then having done that, you sit and you be still. Psalm 42 verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Isaiah 43, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do not perceive it. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. We vent. We're orientated often, then we're disorientated. In that moment of disorientation, we've got to take that before God. But then there's an invitation to sit, to be still. We sit with Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. Jesus is the Logos of God, the wisdom of God embodied in Christ. It's interesting that... We're gonna, we'll do this when we do either Lent or what we talk about when we talk about God, or maybe Genesis or all of them, I don't know. But it's chaos, and then God creates and brings order out of the chaos. How does God bring order out of the chaos? Via the Logos, via the wisdom of God, via the Word of God, is the means by which God brings light and darkness, brings order and chaos. Well, that, that's Jesus. Jesus is the means by which we find reorientation and order in life. The Sermon on the Mount is God's plan for human flourishing. If we all live the Sermon on the Mount, we bring order out of chaos. We bring light out of darkness. 
Um, and then the moments where we fail to live the Sermon on the Mount, if somebody will live that back to me, then again, we, uh, we manage to keep bringing... We get it wrong, but somebody else lives it back at us and we, it brings... So it's Jesus is the one that is God's... How does God bring darkness and light? How does God bring order and chaos? Via Jesus, via the Logos of God, his presence, his life, his words, his teaching, then ultimately his death and resurrection that takes the disorder of death and brings resurrection life. So we sit with Jesus, and we've done that exercise many times at St. Luke's, sitting with Jesus and looking at Jesus' face. What does his eyes say to you? What does Jesus say to you in the, the moment? Jesus is the ordering principle of the entire universe. And you can ask some particular questions with an openness to Christ shining. These are some of the questions that... Um, that I asked in this moment of... I mean, I've been on a five-day silent retreat, so I had plenty of time to sit and be still and to ask these kinds of things. Why am I feeling upside down or back to front? What's going on? What's making me feel like that? What's troubling me in this moment? Has it troubled me before? In whom or in what am I placing my trust? What might this disorientation be telling me about my life? What's the magic answer that I suppose will make it all go away? What would I, should I, am I sacrificing my life for? So I did, I processed some of this at the silent treat we were on the other day. Why am I feeling upside down and back to front? Uh, some of the answers. In some of the areas. I'm not going to open up the whole lot and dump that on you this one. Screens, not people. After a while, I, the screens rather than, I mean, I'm an introvert. I'm totally introverted. Uh, screen, but I need... You, screens, after a while, screens just... I don't know. They suck the life out of you. Screens, not pe- people. Uh, the tangibles become intangible. On Sunday, you sit and you gather and you talk and you smile and you have a cup of tea and you sing. and It's just like you take it for granted until it kind of evaporates. Then first time around, it's like, oh, this is cool. We'll figure out how to do this. And then second time around, it's like, oh, I'm over this. This is, this is no way to live life. Not sure what I'm doing. Who's tuning in? Is it worth the effort? Um, you can't really kind of tell these kinds of things. It doesn't make a difference. Does anyone, this is one of the questions I sometimes ask myself, on my bad days, I'm just being vulnerable. Does anyone, do any Christians even like church? Or do we all just find the most tolerable one and stick with that kind of thing? It's like, we, all, we all hate church, but we'll find the most tolerable one because we're, you know, these are these questions that you ask yourself. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's funny, it's screens, not people that have, you, if this is how you feel, it's like, my life has spiraled down to she-hole. How? Why? What's happened? Just the screens. It's horrible kind of thing. Um, and that, that, the verse in the sun, turn your steps towards these everlasting ruins, God. Because it all spirals out of control in your head. There's really nothing going on. You're just navigating complexity. What is troubling at me? What's troubling me at this moment? What's been troubling me? Everything feels like it's disappeared. That's what is trouble. It feels like it's all disappeared. Um, you have this fear. Will people come back? Will, will people come back to church? Or is this the big exit for humanity from church? Will people come back to church? Uh, then you start to notice how bad this is because you self You go, man, I'm really not trusting God in this. And then you start to be like, I'm not as good at trusting God as I thought I was at trusting God. And then you, that starts to spiral you out. You're like, oh, this is very disorientating. You think of that psalm. There's no prophets left. No one's there to tell us how long this will last for. 
Um, in whom or of what am I placing my trust? And you're writing these things down. You're like, um, not God. <laughs> trust is in people. Trust is in metrics. What's the bank balance at? How many people turn up on a Sunday? And you, as you write that down, you're like, oh, this is terrible. Uh, Facebook likes, Facebook comments, and you're writing these things down. Like, I shouldn't be writing these. and not what I should be trusting. You know? And you're beginning to become self-aware. It's like, I'm in a funk because I'm trusting all the wrong things and looking at all the wrong things and set my <coughs> sight on all the wrong things. What might this disorientation be telling me about my life? I'm not always as centered in Christ as I would like to be or like to think that I am. A big Sunday, woohoo! A little Sunday, oh, what's the point? It's like, how terrible is that? Ego and success and wrong motive still trips me up, still gets tangled up in the, the mix kind of thing. All those things that you've been fighting against for 10 years ago, you have a couple of lockdowns and you're like, oh, I thought I'd left all of that behind 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I just thought this is tripping me up. What's the ma- now? As soon as you write down the magic answer that you suppose will fix everything, whatever your issue is, you you know as you write it down, that's not the magic answer that's going to fix everything. Uh, if we're back to level one and we have record numbers in a packed eleven, because Lord, the Lord could fill the eleven o'clock gathering. That would be a miracle. A packed eleven o'clock gathering, and then as soon as you write down, you're like, oh, that's so terrible, <laughs> and that's that's like, turn your eyes to Jesus, repent. Now I'm sitting with Jesus doing this exercise. And, you know, I talk people through, you know, look at Jesus' face. What's and you're like, you're looking at Jesus and he's got this wry, kind of know-it-all smile on his face. And you're like, yeah, I know. I know. It's terrible. I know. It's so bad. And it's awkward, but it's grace-filled and loving and kind and generous. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, of course. What should I? Would I? What do I want to be sacrificing my life for? And amongst all of that, it's like, oh, just faithfulness to Jesus. Just doing the next thing that I know that God's called me or asked me or laid on my heart to do. That's all. That, that's all I want to give my life for. Uh, the moment-to-moment stuff, irrespective of the results or the fruit of that, but just faithfulness to the journey. And you're like, oh, yeah, that, okay, I think we're getting there. So having done all of that, I, I think, and this is my encouragement this morning, I, I do that and then I get the image of a tree. There's a tree I drew. That's not the one I drew on the sign of tree. I redrew it. Um, for you here this isn't the one I drew on the silent retreat either this is the redrawer as well of that one so I drew a tree no I might can't put that there can't see my notes um, do this tree or it could have drawn a vine as well uh, Psalm 1 or John 15 Psalm 1 blessed are those who delight in the Lord they'll like, be like a tree planted by streams of water uh, John 15 talks about I'm the vine uh, you're the branches, remain in me and you'll bear much fruit. So there's this horticultural imagery. Uh, a tree. There's this idea of the roots that hold us stable and hold us strong and ground us and anchor us and, and, and go down into that deep groundwater and, and kind of feed us. Uh, or the vine, the vine imagery. So I started playing around with my brainstorm. And this idea of a tree and reflecting on what is it that sustains me, that anchors me, that feeds me, that grounds me, that holds me steadfast in life? Uh, what might that result in in terms of a more visible structure, which is the external stuff, which is the fruit and the branches and the leaves and all those kinds of things up, up the top? It's not meant to be an autumn tree. I just couldn't be bothered drawing leaves. So there's not, if, there's, if you're thinking, well, there's no leaves, on, there's no spiritual insight in that. It's just... Too lazy to draw leaves. 
What is it that sustains me, anchors me? What is the result? So I start to write things down. And after a while, I begin to notice a trap that we also often fall into. Things that maybe will be the result, maybe that will be produced up in the tree, up in the branches or the leaves kind of things. We, we, we subtly end up putting them down in the roots as if that will somehow be the thing that kind of sustains us. Uh, we think that success or influence or significance, oh, that'll really sustain me in life. And we, we, and we put that down in the root system and it's like, no, 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 no. No, no. Success and significance and influence, those are, those are not things that will ground you, anchor you, sustain you in life. They, they might be the fruit of being grounded and anchored and sustained in life. It's like, oh man, we're so bad. You know, how many people turn up at church on a Sunday? If a good amount of people turn up on Sunday, I feel strong and anchored and I know we're on... Mm, that's wrong. You got That's you. You flip back to an old way. You got to put that back up, and that might be a result up there. But that can't be. That can't be some source of life for you. Your life's going to be all over the place if that's the case. Start to realize you've fallen into a trap. Um, there's no life to be found in numbers and figures and influence, success, and metrics and measurements. That that might be fruit, but there's nothing in that that will truly sustain you in the disorientation and the complexities of life. So I, uh, I filled in, up on the next slide, I think you won't be able to see it, I don't think. Um, but obviously, you know, I'm not, I'm not just talking about that which feeds you, I'm just also talking about those things that kind of anchor you. So you've, I filled in family, and then I've got Anna Marie, Romeo, Lachlan and Lisa, you know, those, I was like, yeah, yeah, the, my family anchors me, and staying true to that, and being present to that. Um, God... And then I, because there happened to be three off the God, I was able to do Father, Son, and Spirit. So that looks like it was way more designed than what it was. Kind of. um, spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are things that anchor me. Uh, I've got in there. Church is something that anchors me. Now, when I put church down there, I'm not talking about like, how many people came to St. Luke's and something? I'm talking about, no, being a part of this community that gathers at the table, that worships together, that comes along. No, that, that feeds and sustains. Worship sustains me. Study and learning. Uh, reading the way that I'm the way that God's put me back together is I come alive as I read books and learn new concepts and come across new ideas. Not everyone's kind of wired like that. Other people just need to go for a bushwalk. We're all kind of wired to connect with God in different ways. But if I don't pay attention to the way God's put me together to learn, and instead I'm just going for bushwalks all the time, after I'll be like, I got sore legs and I'm not feeling close to God. And where someone else is like, how can you not be feeling? We've just Hike for nine days. It's like, yeah, I haven't read a book or had any time to myself in all of that time. I'm feeling miserable. So you've got to like stay, you know, uh, um, Renee on the silent retreat, by the end of it on the Sunday when we're finally talking again, she's like, I missed music. I need music. And it's like, yeah, of course. We're all wired in a different way. She's like, there's a soundtrack to my life that has to always be playing. And I'm like, yeah, I don't. But others, so we, you've got to work out what are the bits that feed you. Um, contemplation, mornings are for coffee and contemplation. That's I need to live into that. Friends, my, my friends, my colleagues, my community, my the church trustees, uh, spiritual supervisor. These oh, those anchor me. They hold me steadfast in life. Creative work. Now again, that's a little bit different. It's not that the sermon sustains me, but the process of doing creative work. I need to. The process is something that makes me feel alive. I need to stay kind of true to that and be engaged in that. Sermons, pastoral care, liturgy, exercise, retreat, these different kinds of things. You start to go, oh yeah, forgot some of those things. Put some of those things to the side. But those things are what anchor me and hold me 
kind of hold me centered in Christ. And then up in the branches, you start to put other things like, you know, service or success or influence or wisdom or characters. Well, some of those things, they might be a result of being well anchored, but they're no guarantee. And they're certainly not the things that are going to sustain one in life. Start to feel reorientated. Psalm 98 is a psalm of reorientation. So, oh, mate, he's gone good, but then gone bad, but he's come good again. And, and you see this in Psalms all the time. Sing a new song to the Lord. It's like, we don't need the old song. We need a new song. How good is this that's happening? For he has done marvelous things. It's like, hang on. The psalm before did not sound like this one. Yeah, no, the, psalm, the other psalm was not like this one. This is a totally different psalm. His right hand, you remember before? How long will you keep your hand in your cloak? Get it out and crush these enemies. His right hand and his holy, holy arm have worked salvation for me. The Lord has made his salvation known, revealed his righteousness to the nation. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music and, you know, it just goes on and on. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with iniquity. You know, there's all this kind of trust and confidence that's come. So I wrote a psalm of reorientation, having gone through a silent retreat and figured out the disorientated funk that I needed to get out of. So now you're back in a place of reorientation. Wonderful God, you've worked it all out perfectly. How delightful it is to follow your call and to know that you're faithful and trustworthy in all things. Who wouldn't want to be a pastor? It's literally the best. I was pleased when they said, let's go up to the house of the Lord. Real life, online, face to face or screen time. You are ever present. Leading, guiding and enabling us in all things. We thank you that where two or three are gathered, you are there. There you go. That's church metrics. You need two or three. And uh, I've got that with the family. So we're sorted. Where two or three are gathered, you are there. Uh, Help us to be present to one another, even as you are to us. You said you'd be faithful and just to complete the good work you've begun. And we trust you in this. Let your light shine before all that humanity would give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. Alert level two, three, four, or six. We delight in you. A few weeks ago, I said, um, it's good to be in alert level six. And everyone's like, what's that one? I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know what that would, that would be. Not a good one. You're not even allowed to be with yourself. Uh, we, we fix our eyes on you. And we know that you are our strength, our shield, our future. For all will be made well in your time. All manner of things will be made well. It took me... A little journey to do that. Sometimes you go through that in a day. You know, sometimes your morning is like, yes. By lunchtime, you're like, the world is falling apart. And then by dinner, you're like, oh, God, you're back on the throne. This is outstanding. And, and if you're going to go through the process, one day of it is pretty good. Sometimes, though, you can go through years of it. You can have years of, this is good. And then there's like, these last few years have not been good. Where are you, God? You're useless. I've shaken my fists at the heavens 365 days now. And then come out of that eventually. So it's challenged that there's seasons. But the psalm offers us and says, hey, that's what life is like. But we stay in community and we stick with one another. And we, we pause and we slow down and we sit with Jesus. We have this conviction that these are not made up things. But you can be still and know that God is God. And hear that still small voice whispering. Uh, my Facebook memory today uh, was I wrote on Facebook I don't know, five years ago, I think it was. 
Uh, It's not so much that we go to church to find God, but rather that we go from church encouraged and enabled to find God everywhere. It's not so much that we go to church to find God, but we go to church that we can go from church encouraged and enabled to find God everywhere. It's and both, of course. Uh, the reason I posted that five years ago, though, was because so often the emphasis is on God lives at, well, not the emphasis, but the implicit underlying idea is that somehow God lives at church and we need to go to church to meet God. It's like, no, we come to church to remember that God lives everywhere. And yet, of course, we come to church to encounter God as well. We come to gather around this little, you know, the Lord's table, this little insignificant portion of wine and bread to remember Christ's body broken and his blood shed for us. Orientation, disorientation, reorientation. My encouragement to you today, what I wanted to get out of today, was that you could come to a place of peace, uh, have a moment of stillness, which we'll have around the Lord's table at the moment. But I wanted to give you as well something practical that... um, not that I've like printed out a tree for everyone, but what I mean is like the idea of, hey, you can do that. Where am I? Am I orientated, disorientated, or reorientated at the moment? And you, you might be in all of those places in different spheres of your life. Oh man, in my, my sense of who God is, I'm feeling disorientated. Okay, why? Explore that. What's going on? What are some of the reasons for that? What are you putting your trust in at the moment? What do you imagine the magic answer would be? The, the, the one fix kind of thing. I, I love Michael Frost the other day when he said, um, we all know that um, 95% of people that win lotto, their lives are in worse condition like a year later. We all know that. All the data tells us that. But we think we might be one of the 5%. <laughs> so Lord, let us win. You know, it's like, oh man, that was hilarious. But it's like, yeah, we suppose that the money will fix everything or a big Sunday will fix everything or if we just have a good Christmas or, or if we get out of lockdown or whatever it might be kind of thing. I'm, I'm not here to make any comment on lockdown. It makes sense and now it's getting tricky. Um, you know, but you could go through that process of asking those questions and then have just, you don't have to draw a tree. You can just draw a line in the middle of a piece of paper and the, under the line is things that anchor you in life. Above the line is maybe fruit that you'd like to produce but you realize can't make that stuff happen you, that's, you, you'll, if you flip it around the wrong way you run into trouble so let's just be still for a moment let me pray and then uh, I'll read our invitation to communion table here and uh, another one over at the back there if you're visiting with us or new to St. Luke's we just kind of in a disorderly manner gather around, help yourself and then just sit in your seat, be still for a moment reflect Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters gathered this morning. Some may have skipped into church excited and feeling more alive than ever. Disappointed that we weren't singing this morning because they wanted to lift their voice with a shout of triumph. Others, though, may have limped in this morning. Disorientated, confused, anxious or troubled. I lift these folk to you this morning and I ask that your Holy Spirit would guide and lead and bring peace. That even as maybe this afternoon or in these coming days they sit and be still and just reflect on that which is disorientating. May they be open to your still small voice guiding and leading, whispering. May they 
be able to kind of imagine themselves sitting with Jesus, to look into the face of Jesus, to read that expression, to hear what Jesus might say to them in this moment. Lord, that they would be able to find reorientation. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful in every season. It's normally only our feelings and experiences that have changed, not, not who you are. So Lord, we trust in you. For those that are maybe feeling reorientated this morning, may they go with great confidence and hope and strength in your name. In your name. Last little comment. It's, um, it's a healthy thing to do to write a psalm of orientation for yourself. Store it somewhere. Then write a psalm of disorientation if you ever find yourself going through that and then park that somewhere and then write yourself a psalm of reorientation and just keep those things on file somewhere in your life. Because the next time you go into a place of disorientation, you're able to pull out those psalms that you've written for yourself before and go, oh, I've been through something similar to that. Look, I came out the other side of that. I can trust. I can walk. I can keep on, keep on going. All right, let's stand. We'll gather at the communion table this morning. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, screen people. Oh, wow, 10,000 people watching live. That's awesome. <laughs> There's 11 million comments. I'll stroll through them this afternoon. Oh, no, six of them are angry faces. Uh, none of what I said is true there. So we gather, we gather at the Lord's table. A little one here, bigger one at the side over there, just for social distancing and practicality reasons. It's not the table of the church, it's the table of the Lord. And it's set for everyone. There's a place at the table for everyone. For those that have followed Christ faithfully, for those that have tried but failed. Uh, for those that are feeling incredibly orientated and enthusiastic and passionate. In their faith this morning. For those that are feeling disorientated. Disheveled. Confused. Anxious. table is made ready for you as well. For those that maybe are glimpsing that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And feeling hopeful this morning. table is made ready for you as well. So come you have much faith. You that have little. You that have followed faithfully. You that have tried but failed. There's always space for you at this time. We come not because of our own goodness, but because of the goodness of God. Come and meet the risen Christ, the tree of life rediscovered in the cross. Turn your hearts towards Jesus and receive the salvation of God. For Jesus is the bread of life, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Come to where heaven and earth overlap the table of the Lord and receive the love and the grace and the mercy and the peace of Jesus Christ. Amen.